Hello, people of the way. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, turn to Leviticus chapter 5. Leviticus chapter 5. And if uh, in continuation of our study through the book of Leviticus, uh, here we're on the trespass offering. Now, one thing to keep in mind with regard to trespass is it's almost like a continuation of chapter 4, except when you think of trespass, think of it's, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, we used to ride our bikes, my friends and I, we used to ride our bikes all over the place, except near my neighborhood, there was this huge field, a humongous field. And there was a farmer on the land, except he had a sign that said, no trespassing. And you know, because it was so much fun to ride our bikes through his you know, his field, there were tracks, there were jumps, there were all kinds of different things. We would just forget the sign, pretend it didn't even exist. And, you know, I remember back as a kid, we had loads of fun, except I knew what no trespassing meant. I knew that the owner of the property, he didn't want anybody on his land, except we did it anyways. You know, and that's what you have to think of when you think of trespassing before the Lord. It's it's still sin. I don't want to candy coat it and say like, oh, it's okay to trespass. But in life, you and I, we will trespass. It's not going to be the type of sin where we turn our back to the Lord. You know, sometimes it feels that way, you know, and I don't want to gloss over it like it's no big deal because it's a huge deal. And sometimes it will feel like your back is turned to the Lord. You know, what's so beautiful about the conviction of the Holy Spirit is the conviction where your heart, you want to get right with the Lord. You know, never, ever ignore those things. Pride and selfishness, false doctrine, these are all facets that can exist in our lives that will prohibit repentance. It will prohibit the humility required to repent before the Lord. Because false doctrine says, oh, you know, once saved, always saved. I can go ahead and do whatever I want. And you know what? I made an altar call when I was 10 years old. And here I am 20 years old and I can do my crack. I can do my sexual stuff. I can get drunk, do all these kinds of different things. But no, it doesn't work that way. You know, if you're caught up in false doctrine, especially on the topic of once saved, always saved, you know, you need to read the Bible. Read the Bible. You say, well, you know, there's this famous guy who tells me once saved, always saved. Well, I also know of a famous pastor who says it's okay to take the mark of the beast and still be saved and still get to heaven. It's a lie from the pit of hell. We're living in the age of the Antichrist spirit. There's the working of the Holy Spirit and there's the working of the Antichrist spirit. And, you know, you choose. Which spirit do you want to be under? And the Antichrist spirit goes into the world and it's deception. It's satanic. Deception of the last days. Now, I speak about this famous pastor, well-known pastor. He has his own study Bibles. He was recently confronted about this. And in the past confrontation, he never addressed the issue. But this most recent addressing of his error... Instead of saying, you guys, I made a huge mistake, you know, I repent, I should have never said that, and I don't stand by that statement anymore. Instead of saying that, he said, well, it's not the unpardonable sin. 
stupid. It's so wild. You know what's so beautiful about Holy Scripture? It's so incredibly simple. It's so simple. Now, I give you the example about when I was a kid and my friends and I would ride our bikes. We'd, you know, jump and do all kinds of crazy things. And it was so much fun. But I knew I was still trespassing. I was still in the wrong, even though I had fun. You know, Satan's not going to come at you and say, you know, eat your Brussels sprouts. You know, he's not going to make sin nasty. He's going to make sin really appealing to the flesh, to the carnal nature. Whatever it might be, it might be the sexual stuff, it might be the drug stuff, it might be the alcohol, but he's going to make sin enticing and very appealing to the carnal nature. But you know what's so cool about the Holy Spirit and the work in your life, in my life, is that he addresses the carnal nature. And the carnal nature is the man, is the woman that needs to be reckoned dead. So Satan might come at you and dangle something. A demon might come to you and dangle something. A person who's under the influence of satanic, demonic things can dangle something in front of you, which to the natural man, to the natural woman, would, they would take the bait. But because you are dead to self, because you are dead to the carnal nature and alive in Christ and it's Jesus Christ inside of you, you're not going to take that bait. Because your nature has been changed. You've been transformed by a renewing of your minds. And that's not to say that you're going to be, you know, upward scale your whole life with no, you know, downward points. Because you are going to have little moments of relapse of the carnal nature. You will. Such things are called trespass. You know, where you know what you ought to do, you know what you ought not to do. And sometimes you don't know. And then you read the Bible and then you discover like, whoa, I'm in the wrong or whoa, I was in the wrong. I sinned before the Lord. And repent when you come across moments like that. You must, must, must repent. It's beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. Not, you know, because you know what's happening? It's an act of humility. Repentance. And say, Lord, forgive me. I blew it. Yeah, I'm a born-again believer, but I still have anger issues. You know, I was driving on the freeway, an old lady cut my cut me off, you know, and you know, my old nature would have, you know, extended a finger to her. And maybe as a Christian, it's like you're dying to do it. But you know, oh man, I can't do that. And you're kind of bummed out about it. Like, man, I can't do that anymore. Or and instead of an old lady, it's another guy. And he gets froggy with you. And he was like, you know, hey, pull over. Let's handle business. And you're like, man, I can't do that anymore. I'm a Christian. And the old guy, you know, would have came out with a stick. A pipe. But no, the new guy in Christ cannot do those things anymore. And then you pull over and you're like, Lord, forgive me. You know, I know the old nature would have done that. And, you know, even right now, I feel like I want to do it. It's so cool how the Lord deals with us by His Holy Spirit and through His Word, how He deals with us. And even in fellowship of the saints, other people who are non-carnal, 
other people who have walked in those steps down the same path. And you say, hey, brother, hey, sister, you know, look at what's going on. You know, there's this, there's that. And a brother or sister can say, you know what? I did that. And I made the mistake too. Or I made this mistake. You don't want to make that mistake. I repented and I got right with the Lord. But it was, man, it was a five-year journey. It was a 10-year journey. I wish it never even happened. But I'm thankful it did because I can tell you I can minister to you now. Don't do it. That's what's so beautiful about the fellowship of the saints. And here we are in Leviticus 5, but really quick. Turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, verse 17. Bind this verse on your hearts. James 4, 17, Brother James writes and he says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. That's a biggie. Because you know what happens as a believer, as a Christian? You could be a brand new believer or you can be a well-seasoned believer. There's sin where the Bible says, hey, don't do this. And in obedience to the Lord, you don't do it. And praise be to the Lord. It's the work of the Lord inside of your heart, inside of your mind. But there are other times where maybe the Holy Spirit will put on your heart, nudge you, and say, hey, I want you to tell this guy about me. Hey, I want you to tell this girl about me. Hey, I want you to, you know, put down what you're doing and, you know, turn off the TV, you know, stop watching this movie and just open up your Bible and read or pray. It's so interesting because, you know, there's times where it's like I talk with a believer and I'll be saying, hey, you know what? I was going through this situation and then it's uh, the person said, what time did that? What date was that? And I'll say, it was this day. Uh, around what time? And, oh, it was this time. And they'll say, you know what? The Lord put it on my heart to pray for you at that time. And, you know, we talk, we kind of coordinate through the things. And it turns out it's like, man, at this specific moment where I needed help, the Holy Spirit put it on your heart to pray. And it's like, whoa, it's like, you know, two brothers coming together where it's like, wow, we can rejoice. Look at what the Holy Spirit is doing. A brother and a sister in Christ can rejoice like, wow, look at what the Lord is doing. It's like we're on the same wavelength. And it's so cool because sometimes the Holy Spirit will nudge at your heart and say, hey, I want you to pray for this individual. And unbeknownst to you, this individual is going through turmoil. Straight up turmoil. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, pray to this person. But then something happens in our heart when you feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you prescribe to the doctrine of you know the moving of the Holy Spirit, doesn't work like that anymore. It was just for 2,000 years ago. That's false. You know, listen to our studies through the book of Acts. It's very, very dangerous doctrine. Very, very dangerous doctrine. Because a lot of quote-unquote learned people will say, oh yeah, the, how the Holy Spirit moved in the book of Acts, that's not for today. It was just for 2,000 years ago. And so, you know, you've, you prescribe to that doctrine, false doctrine, and you're going to feel a nudging in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit knocking at your heart. Hey, I want you to pray for this individual. And you'll dismiss it. You know, you'll keep watching TV. 
You know, you'll keep watching TV, keep watching the movie, and the whole time the Holy Spirit's like, hey, I need you to pray for this person. You see how dangerous this doctrine is? False doctrine by so-called the learned class. Fools. And it's so sad because pastors teach this false doctrine, so-called pastors, they teach this false doctrine to their, to their, to their flocks. Not even their flocks, they're God's people. God's sheep, God's lamb, his people. And then, you know, the adults, they listen to it and then they feed it to their kids. And the faith of a child is so beautiful to behold. And how the Lord speaks to children, you know, by the, their faith is so, it's palpable. You could cut it with a knife in the air. It's, you could feel it in the air. It's just so palpable. And so to tell, you know, a little 10-year-old girl, a little 10-year-old boy, hey, you know that nudging you told me about in your heart? That was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. It destroys faith. You know, such people need to be very careful, especially if they teach that to their children. Because the Lord Jesus Christ tells us about the alternative for a parent who destroys the faith of a child. And the alternative involves a millstone, a rope, a bridge, and I'll leave it at that. You know where I'm going. And the Lord says, hey, it's better to do that. It's better to jump off the, t tie a rope around a millstone, tie the other end around your neck, and then throw the millstone into the ocean. And the Lord says, it's better to do that than it is to destroy the faith of a child. That's some hardcore stuff. That's hardcore. And so say you're sitting on your couch and the Holy Spirit nudges at your heart. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? That was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. I'm going to keep watching my shows. James 4.17 Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So you think I'm good to go. I'm, I don't sin, you know. I don't beat up my wife. I don't cheat on her. I don't do drugs. I don't do crack. I don't do whatever. All kinds of craziness. But what about James 4.17? I love how the Lord raises the ante. He raises the bar. My flesh hates it. There's so many things of Holy Scripture that my flesh can't stand. But because I've been chastised so many times... I've learned to love it. I've learned the beauty of chastisement because the Lord disciplines those whom He loves. It confirms God's love for me the same way it confirms God's love for you when you have been trained by chastisement. Chastisement from His Word. You know, it's like, it's so beautiful, even though it's, sometimes it's painful. Now you read this and it's like, well, this is hardcore. But turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> In Luke chapter 12, verse 47. Red letters in my Bible. And the Lord says, And that servant who knew his master's will, knowing is a big deal. Knowing is a big deal. As a believer... When you read the Bible, you know, you start to understand God's heart, God's character. You start to understand. And then in your own personal life, you're like, well, you know what? My Lord doesn't like this. 
it's not pleasing to the Lord for me to be in this situation. It's not pleasing to the Lord for me to behave like this. It's not pleasing for me to speak to, to, to the Lord for me to speak like this, whatever it might be. That's what's so beautiful about a steady diet of the word. Not speed reading, you know, if, if you can speed read and understand, that's one thing. But I've tried speed reading before because, you know, I just wanted to get through a book. Mostly it was in school. I just wanted to finish the book. But then at the same time, you read the Bible. And me personally, I read it slowly because I want to chew on it. I want to think about it. I go to other verses. I go to other books. And it's like, whoa, you know, it's just like I read it slowly. I used to do the chapter a day. But then, you know, it's like sometimes I still do a chapter a day. But it's like it takes a long time because it's like I go through a chapter. But there's a like, you know, sometimes other books. I'll read an entire book to, to understand the chapter. And then you start to understand the character of the Lord. It's so beautiful. Then you have that oneness with him. And he says here in verse 47, and that servant who knew his master's will, it, you know, it places heavy responsibility, onus on the believer. And you know, it's either you have a fork in the road. I either have action or I have inaction. So say, for example, you're a crackhead, former crackhead. And you believe in Jesus Christ. And you know your pusher calls you on the phone and says, Hey, I got a new shipment in. That's like an immediate fork in the road. What do you do? What do you do? It's like in your mind, you know, it's like, Well, Lord, you know, I'm at this fork in the road. And you know, I could take my crack and, you know, I'll be on, you know, what I thought was cloud nine, but it's a lie from the pit of hell. Or I can lean on you and trust in you and not do it because I want to honor you. Now, I say crack because that's kind of like a big deal. It's like, whoa, that, you're going too far. You're talking about crack. But, you know, I like going too far because it, it, it gives the imagery quite, it's palpable. What about when it's not crack? What about when it's, you know, the so-called little white lie? You're still at a fork in the road. Straight up. You still have a choice to make. And so he says here in verse 47, that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself, that's one aspect, or do according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. That's heavy. <laughs> he said like, whoa, you know, I've had people tell me before, well, I, I listen to the sermon, I come to church because I want to feel good about myself. Well, you know, I'm not a, a, a motivational speaker. You know, the, the Lord didn't call me. He didn't say, hey, I want you to, you know, be a pastor. I want you to teach my word, you know, to be a motivational speaker. I want you to build up people's self-esteem. He didn't do that. Satan would say such a thing. But I tell you from experience, it is painful to read the word of God when you're in the flesh. When you are a carnal, I mean, we're, we're carnal creations currently. But when your carnality is very strong inside of this vessel, and I'm speaking about your bodies, the word of God is painful to read because the Holy Spirit will convict you like a knife in the heart. It's very painful. And you know what I say? Endure his word. Endure the pain. 
And when you feel the pain, repent and say, Lord, forgive me. Those are like trespass offerings. Yeah, you believe in Jesus Christ, but you still got to put down the crack pipe. You still got to put down the pornography. You still have to put down all these other things. Maybe you're a former crackhead and now you just smoke cigarettes. And it's like, wow, praise the Lord. Yeah, you're not a crackhead. But, you know, you go out and hang out with your homies. You get, you know, you drink alcohol, you do your cigarettes. And it's like, well, I, you know, people, you're such a legalist. You, you get on my case because I smoke. No, I rejoice with you because you're not a crackhead. I rejoice with you, brother. Notice to say, hey, you know what? The Lord's not done with you. The Lord isn't finished with you. Come on, let's go. Let's go eat a hamburger and then we can be chubby together, you know? <laughs> you're not a crackhead anymore, but you're kind of chunky. And praise the Lord. You see how he works? And we grow, we mature, we grow in Christ. And finally, the Lord will say, okay, I've done this work inside of you. And now I want to do this work through you. That's how the Lord works. All throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. And so people used to tell me, well, I don't like how you say these things because I want to feel good about myself. Well, the only way you're going to listen to a sermon and feel good about yourself is when the carnal nature is addressed. That's the only way, straight up. I used to listen to sermons and I would like, old school, I had radios, you know. Now everything's, you know, computerized. Old school radio days. You know, I just want to pick up the radio and throw it out the window. I had anger issues back then. I guess I still do have anger issues. They're managed better. <laughs> but it's like, you, you listen to the preacher on the radio, and it's like, man, I want to throw this radio as far as I can. You know, kick the TV in. I don't like what this guy is saying. And go listen to a sermon, you know, in, in person. Man, I don't like what this guy is saying. And then open up my Bible, follow along. And it's like, whoa, he's just reading the Bible. And then I discovered my issue isn't with this guy. My issue is with the word of God. And that was a big problem. Because I didn't want to have issues with God. I had to get right with God. I need to have my sins atoned for. My sins forgiven. And even my trespasses forgiven. Look at verse 48. Still in Luke 12. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of strife, stripes shall be beaten with few. So it's still heavy. It's still heavy. You know, you, no one's going to stand before the Lord and say, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Because remember, you know, every good and perfect gift comes, comes from the Father of lights. Just like we studied on, on Sunday. God's goodness is all over the place. The rain falls on the righteous and the wicked. You know, we were created with eternity on our hearts. Just read Ecclesiastes. But the question is, do I choose to honor the Lord? Or do I choose to honor myself? Remember, we're on the topic of trespasses. Remember, I gave that example about bike riding with my friends. I knew the sign said no trespassing. But I did it anyways. I just skipped, like pretend the sign wasn't there. Like I didn't even see it, even though I knew it was there. We all knew it was there. We knew the guy didn't like anybody on his property. But we did it anyways. 
We do the same thing with God. We know the Bible says this. We know the Bible doesn't, you know, doesn't like certain behaviors. And what do we do? We do it anyways. It's not that we're, you know, turning our back to Jesus Christ. It's the Bible explicitly defines it as a little side slip. Side slip. And we're gonna we're gonna discuss this a little bit more. That's the Holy Spirit dealing with the flesh. Remember. We're not in our glorified bodies yet. We're still in these earth suits, which means we have to deal with the carnal nature with the helper. And then he says, uh, for everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. So that's why the Lord says, count the cost. Hey, count the cost. Count the cost straight up. You know, to illustrate that even further, look what he says in verse 49. I came to send fire on the earth. That's hardcore stuff. I came to send fire on the earth. And you know what? This earth, it will burn. It will be over one day. It hasn't come yet, but it will happen. And the Lord reveals to us his mindset. He says, I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. You see, it gives you a little picture of the mind of our Lord. We start to understand the character of our Lord. He says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. He's speaking about his death. And how distressed, distressed I am till it is accomplished. You see the the obedience of our Lord straight up, or His obedience unto the Father straight up until death. Until death. And then, this is where it gets, you know, He raises the bar a little bit more in verse 51. Do you suppose, and this word suppose is based on an opinion, also known as assume. Do you suppose or do you assume that I came to give peace on earth? Question mark. This is how he answers it. I tell you, not at all, but rather division. You see, that's hardcore. He says, are you assuming that I came here to bring peace? Straight up, the Prince of Peace is saying, Do you, are you assuming that I came to bring peace? I came to give peace? And he answers, not at all. Straight up division. Division. It's, it's such a trip because it's diamarismos uh, uh, in the Greek, which is division, but also translates as conflict, discord, uh, 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 um, uh, uh, strife, and straight up war. War. And the Lord is saying, that's why I came. That's what he's saying. Father will be divided against son and son against father. Or no, I, I skipped verse 52. 50, verse 52. From now, for, from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Remember, he said he came to divide and to send fire. And, you know, straight up, the fire is coming. One day, the fire will come here. The earth is going to fade. 
And then he says this in verse 53, Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The days of division. They started then, and they're still continuing. The days of division. I've been called a homewrecker. I've been called a destroyer of families. And, you know, I used to hate it. You know, I used to not, I, like, I'm not a homewrecker. In my mind, it's like, how are these, why are these people saying this? I'm, I'm, I don't want to destroy their homes. And then I would pray. And, you know, the Lord gave me so much comfort. And, you know, he led me to these verses in very, very difficult times when families would get mad at me. You know, talk to a, a, a son and the son would say, man, you know, I have issues with my family. It's like, what's up? Is that my dad's like this? My mom's like this, this, like all these things. It's like, wow, that's chaos. That's, you know, wherever you see chaos, you know, that's not the handiwork of our Lord. And to minister to a person, you know, that's why it's so beautiful to have the Christian home. You know, God the Father, Jesus Christ is submitting to God the Father. And in submission to Jesus Christ is the husband or the father. And then in submission to the husband is the wife and then the kids in submission to the parents. And where you, you know, you mix that around and it's not going to work. You're going to have chaos. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to mix that around. And who is the one in a family? Who is the one in one, under one, under one roof? Who is the one that's going to yield to the Lord? That's the days of division. Prophesied. Spoken of here. Don't suppose that Jesus Christ came to bring peace. He he says not at all, but rather division. Straight up. And you know what's so cool? Is when the Lord teaches us these things, we we start to not play games with sin. For me. And I pray the same is for you too. When you read verses like this in context, proper context, you read verses like this and then all of a sudden you realize like, man, you know what? I'm not going to play games with the Lord anymore because this is serious business. This is straight up heaven and hell kind of stuff. And I love how the Lord raises the bar. Not because, you know, it's not like a joke. You know, you see like a, an older brother teasing a younger brother. You know, here you can't reach this. And, you know, you know, the Lord says, okay, you've reached this level. Now, come on, let's go to this next level. And, you know, he's going to hold our hands the whole time. He's the one who's bringing you through. Now, turn with me to Second Peter chapter 2. Remember, we're on the topic of trespass. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. And Brother Peter writes, he says, For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. That's why, you know, we have to be careful. It's like, am I following doctrine, the word of God? Because there are a lot of slicksters out there. They're very slick in how they speak. Very, very slick. Like cheesy salesmen, used car salesmen. 
and they speak lies that do not align with Holy Scripture. And it says that, you know, it says uh, uh, through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty. It's so cool. You know, I love this country. I'm an American, you know, and I love this country so much. I said, you know, you cut my heart and you'll see it's red, white and blue. And I love the liberties of this country. Remember, we have immense liberties in Christ. But then at the same time, we, we're not to use our liberties as an excuse for sin, as licensure for sin. And so it says here, they promise them liberty. They themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him he is brought into bondage. That's why we follow the word of God. The word of God. For if... After they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and, and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. Translates as defeated. This is what happens through trespassing. You think, oh, it's just a little white lie. And you know, people gloss over things as like, okay, it's just a little white lie. But you know what the culmination of those things, you know what it does inside of your heart? It makes your heart harder. When you play games with sin, when you play games with trespassing, you're going to trespass. It's a gimme. It's as a Christian, you will trespass. But you need to repent even still. Is to say, you know what, Lord, I used to play games with these little white lies. I'm not going to do that anymore. I used to cheat on my taxes. I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, lie about this, lie about that. You know, it's like, you know, the Lord will take a whole lifetime to teach you a lesson about trespassing. But every time you trespass, you know, your heart can get harder. At a time when our hearts need to be soft, we need to be a people of the circumcision. That happens through the reckoning, reckon the old man dead and the old woman dead. That's how your heart becomes soft. Humility. Remember, pride and selfishness, these are deterrents of humility. It's the pollutions of the world. He says here in verse 20, they are again entangled in them and overcome or defeated. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. You know, this is hardcore. Because it's like, whoa, you're telling me, Lord, that it's, it would have been better not to have known your truth and the way of righteousness. That's precisely what he's saying. But, he says in verse 22, it happened, uh, it happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Him and her. What a beautiful com combination here. A dog and a pig. And both without excuse. Straight up, both without excuse. That's the danger of trespassing. Which is still a sin. But you know, Satan's a trickster. 
Satan is a trickster. Because, you know, you'll start start to gloss over trespasses like it's no big deal. Like, you know, when I was a kid on my bike, no trespassing sign. You know, a big old rope, you know, right between some trees, you know, no trespassing. And we just rode in, you know, we made a, a jump so we could like jump over it when we were kids on our bikes. I knew I shouldn't have been there. And even still, I had so much fun while trespassing. That's what Satan does. Satan will say, look, you know, all you got to do is trespass like this. Trespass over here. The word of God says no trespassing. But man, look at all this fun you can have with your friends. Look at all this fun you can have with your homies. The crack, the sex, the alcohol. You see? He's not going to entice you with uh, Brussels sprouts. You know? Satan knows how to trick people. Men, women, young, old. He knows. He's been doing it since the very beginning. And that's what's so cool about Holy Scripture. God protects you through His Word. It's like a covering. It's a seal of protection. Very important to understand this concept of trespassing as Christians, as New Covenant believers. Because the trespassing we're going to look at in the Old Testament, that's under the law. Still a similar concept. The trespass is a very similar concept. Arguably, I could say the same exact concept. But remember, we're New Covenant believers. It's not to look at the law. And that's one of my prayers when we go through these Old Testament, you know, when we go through the law, it's one of my constant prayers. Lord, protect these people. Protect these listeners, Lord. Because Satan will whisper in your ear, oh, you know what? You want to be right with God? Look, the Bible says these things pointing to the law. And you know what many people do? They leave the new covenant and try to get uh, righteous through the old covenant. It can't be done. If righteousness comes through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. That's what Paul told the church in Galatia. Satan will entice. Say, oh, you want to get right with God, so therefore you have to perform these things. Look, it is written. You know, it could be, you know, stay in your lane. You hear that a lot, said a lot, stay in your lane. What's our lane? The new covenant. The narrow path. That's our lane. The narrow path. We're not under the law. The Christian is not under the law. The obedient in Christ are not under the law. Now, if you're a Christian, you know, you call yourself a Christian and you're disobedient, you know, arguably, you know, it could be said that you're under the law. It depends on, you know, if you say, oh, you know what, I, I, I fudged on, you know, I, I don't know, my taxes. Okay, repent of that, you know. But if you say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm married, but, you know, I have five girlfriends on the side. You know, I go on these business trips. It's like, okay, you're under the law, dude. It's to say, hey, remember the law is a schoolmaster to bring us back to Christ, a tutor. And if we ignore the Holy Spirit in coming back to Christ, then, you know, we're, we can be subject to the wrath of God. 
Just read Romans 1. We'll get there eventually. But the wrath of God is revealed. It's going to happen. The wrath of God is going to befall the earth, but it happens on individuals. It's super duper important to understand these concepts about trespassing. Because Satan dangles some crazy things in front of us. And it's to be wise to the times. Take off your carnal glasses and, you know, open up your eyes of faith. Open up your eyes of the spirit. And you'll see landmines all over the place that Satan has planted. You see these landmines. You know, and you have little kids. They say, baby girl, I'm going to pick you up. We're going to walk through this field. Yeah, there's a landmine, but you don't understand these things yet. So I'm going to carry you. Here, hold on to my hand. I'm going to carry you. And then, you know, your kids start to understand. They got their new set of eyes too. And then all of a sudden they start walking by themselves. And the Lord takes them down a different course. It's like, wow, you know, they're going to do things with the Lord. Still on a narrow path. But now they have their glasses on. They have their spiritual eyes. I shouldn't even say the glasses on. They got a new set of eyes straight up. And it's so cool how the Lord works. We have to understand these things as new covenant believers. So now let's go back to Leviticus 5. With this understanding. And so here in Leviticus chapter 5 verse 1. He says, if a person sins in hearing the utterance of an oath and is a witness, whether he has seen or known the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. You know, it's so cool because, you know, the, it's like lying. Lying, you know, the, the, a person hears the utterance of an oath and he's a witness of it. And then say, for example, a guy says, hey, you know, I need you to lie for me. I need you to lie for me. You know, don't don't tell the cop about this. Don't tell the judge, you know, hey, I'm going to call you as a witness and don't tell the judge, don't testify about this. Uh, yeah, I know I, I murdered this guy, but, you know, I, uh, you can't say that. Say I was with you, we were playing basketball. And then all of a sudden, it's like the question is like, you know, are you going to be honest or are you going to lie? Are you going to be honest or are you going to lie? You know, that's what happens when you're confronted with someone's lies. You can respond, yes, it is a lie, or you can respond, you know, you're going to be complicit in that game. And if you're complicit in that game, you know what you're doing? You're honoring men and you're dishonoring God. It's to say, you know what, I'm not going to be part of that game. Someone comes to you and says, oh, yeah, I murdered this guy. You know, here's my court date. I'm calling you as my witness. And, you know, at 5 p.m., I was murdering this guy, but, you know, I need you to tell the judge, tell the courts that I was playing basketball with you, 5 p.m., you know, Saturday night. And you stand there, it's like, look, buddy, I, you know, we were friends before you committed this crime. I can't testify. It's a false witness. I can't do that. Or you can say, yeah, sure, no problem, man. I'll do that for you. Who are you going to honor? I give these dramatic examples, you know, you're like, well, that's murder. That's one thing. But are you going to be complicit in whatever lie, murder, whatever it is? Will you be complicit? Or you say, you know what? 
Lord, I'm going to honor you. Or what if somebody says, you know what? I need you to lie for me. I murdered this guy. And if you don't lie for me, my other friend, he's going to come to your house and he's going to kill you. You see, that's when you really have to count the cost. I give these heavy examples because I really want to hit you hard with these truths. Because we could start to understand these things. And you know, when I read the Bible, when I say, I want to hit you hard. Yeah, I hit myself hard. I hit myself harder. It's to say, wow, Lord, I really want to understand your character, how you view things. Because mankind, creation, the created thing, has a way of glossing over sin. Has a way of candy coating sin. And candy coating trespasses. It's satanic. Straight up satanic. And you know what happens here? Look what is written here in verse 2. Or if a person touches any unclean thing, whether it is the carcass of an unclean beast or the carcass of unclean livestock or the carcass of unclean unclean creeping things. I can I could list more unclean things too. It just happens to be speaking about carcasses. But there's a lot more unclean things when we get on with scripture, when we get into Deuteronomy, when we get into Proverbs, you're going to see a lot more unclean things. He says this in verse 2, and he is unaware of it. He also shall be unclean and guilty. So what's interesting here is knowledge has no bearing on guilt. Can you imagine standing before the Lord? And so it's like, I didn't know, I didn't know. Nobody can say that to the Lord when they're standing before the Lord, when they're standing before him. Lord, I didn't know. You see? And look what happens here in verse 3. Or if he touches human uncleanness, whatever uncleanness with which a man may be defiled. Verse 3 is heavy because this opens a big door, this human uncleanness. A big door. And a lot of it we're going to see in the Old Testament and the New Testament. A lot of human uncleanness has to do with sexual desires. Very interesting for the days that we live in. Very interesting. Because what do you see in the world that we live in today? Like hardcore sexual desires all over the place. All you got to do is go to the grocery store. Go to the grocery store, you know, and it's like you put on your mask. Put on your grocery store, you go to pay and move the mask up, you know, cover your eyes. Because you see the, the you know, it's like, I want to get some gum. You turn to right, whoa, that's not gum. And you see the magazine covers there. Crazy, crazy world. Look at the TV shows. Look at the movies. Straight up like kid shows. Little kid shows like uh, teenagers. You see these little kid shows. It's like, whoa, they discuss this. They're talking about this stuff. A lot of things that deal with, you know, sexual nature and then also dependencies. A lot of idolatry, dependencies on things that are not of the Lord. Very important. This is old, te- like straight up Leviticus. Nothing new under the sun. And so he says here in verse 3, he says, Whatever uncleanness with which a man may be defiled, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it. Remember that all of a sudden, boom, the knowledge of sin. When he realizes it. 
Righteousness doesn't come through the law. Remember, the law brings death. We're going to study that more when we get to the book of Romans. But the law brings death. Paul said that. Which is why we need a Savior. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When he realizes, that's what's so beautiful about, you know, you come to Jesus Christ and you believe and it's like, wow, Lord, you know, you're washed clean. Your sins are forgiven. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like maybe you still have a little bit of the carnal nature, but you don't know about, you know, carrying your cross. You're a brand new believer. You don't know about reckoning the old man dead or the old woman dead. You don't know anything about that because you're like a baby in Christ. But then as you grow, as you mature, you start to understand like, whoa, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ, but whoa, I can't talk like this anymore. And you tell your friends like, look, I can't hang out. I can can come and see you. I can hang out. I can laugh with you and do all these things, but I'm not going to laugh about those things anymore. We're not going to go to the strip club anymore. We're not going to go to the street corner and get high anymore. We're not going to do any. I can't do that with you guys anymore. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. You might win them to Jesus Christ. Or you might lose some friends. You might lose some friends. Because friendliness with the world is enmity with God. That's a choice you're going to have to make. Remember division, what we read in, you know what Jesus said, red letters? Do you suppose that I came to bring peace, he says? He says, no way. Count the cost. He says when he realized that. We talked about that a little bit last week. You know about the the priests. How are the people to know if no one's telling them about it? Well, what about you in your life? How are people in your life going to know about their sin when you don't tell them about it? And I'm not saying, hey, you know, you're going to burn in hell type of stuff. Just pose a question. You know that's not pleasing to the Lord. You know God doesn't like that. You know, you start saying things like that, you won't get invited to parties anymore. (laughs) I tell you from experience. You won't get invited places anymore. Oh, you're so you're you're taking this Jesus business too far. You know, you're such a legalist. That's what they tell they'll tell you. But how will people know that they're in sin if you say nothing? You know, you're like at your friend's house, at your brother's house, at your sister's house, at whatever's house, you know. And they're saying, oh man, we had this huge party. We just got ripped and all these things. And it's like pain to your ears. And you're like, you know, I know you're telling me this story, but you know, can I tell you something? And you know, you promise me you won't get mad. They'll get mad. So yeah, what is it? Well, I hear you say these things, but it's not pleasing to the Lord. Like what? Boom, instantly they know. Instantly they know. They might not like it. Instantly they know and instantly they're cut to the heart. Then you have like, you know, in Acts chapter 2 verses in you know, Acts chapter 7 type of deal. They're both cut to the heart. Two parties, both cut to the heart. 
But humility says, okay, I'm going to repent. Pride says, you know what? I hate you. You see? You're a messenger of Jesus Christ. It's hardcore stuff. I know it's hardcore stuff. But there's no other way to live. No other way to live. When he realizes it, then he shall be guilty. Or if, in verse 4, or if a person swears, this is like to make a vow, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to good, to do good. Now you might look at this and be like, well, what's the big deal? He's doing good here. Well, what it is, is lip service. You know, whether it be good or bad, whether it be evil or good, it's just lip service. It's still, as he says in verse 4, that's still speaking thoughtlessly or translates as foolish. There's zero wisdom behind it. It might be pleasing to the ears, but it's just lip service. Have you ever heard had somebody t- give you lip service? And they'll say, oh, yeah, you know what? I'll do this for you. Or, yeah, you know, you can rely on me. Come to find out it was all a lie. It was just lip service. You can't rely on that individual. They swear to you. They make a vow. Oh, yeah, I promise you I'll be there. I promise you I'll be there. I won't do this. And yeah, everything's fine. Come to find out it was a lie. It's just lip service. That's what the Lord is addressing here. Whatever it is that a man may pronounce by oath, and he is unaware of it when he realizes it. There it is again. Now comes the knowledge part. When he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. This is like hardcore stuff because it's like, whoa, this guy's guilty, 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 guilty. Well, what about you? What about me? Yeah, our sin, you know, our sin has been forgiven. But don't forget the trespasses. Trespassing is a big deal in the life of a believer. Because it's. I, I, I say this quite a bit and I, you know, I, I don't mean to be hurtful in saying this. But in the church, I have witnessed, I have seen a whole lot of basket cases. And I say that with you know, all due respect and as much love as I can. But I've seen a lot of basket cases. People tossed to and fro by all kinds of various doctrines. People say, oh, yeah, the Lord told me this when it wasn't even the Lord. People say, oh, yeah, you know what? The Lord prophesied. I'm a prophetess in the Lord. And, the, you know, thus saith the Lord. The Lord is saying me to saying this. And then I respond. It's like, you know what? The Lord spoke to me also and has nothing to do with what you said. It's not to say like, well, you know, it's not a holier than thou kind of thing. It's to say like, you know, let's keep our eyes on the word of God. Now, if you are a Christian and you are a basket case, I'm not trying to be hurtful and say like, hey, what's up? Why are you a basket case? I'm trying to say, you know what? Get on the rock. Get on the rock of salvation. Capital R. Jesus Christ. And stand firmly in him. You see, that's where the Christian stands. That's where the Christian plants their flag and says, you know what? This is where I stand. That's the position from where we fight. Firmly planted on the rock. 
not too tossed to and fro. You see all these people reading various books? They don't even read. They have no, like, they're babies when it comes to the Bible. And I don't mean that to say that pridefully. And, you know, I can also say they're under a delusion, strong delusion, which is, you know, it's a form of judgment from the Lord. Because they have no love of truth, therefore they will believe a lie. And it's punishment from the Lord. And that's what you see today. People say, oh, I believe what this guy has to say about faith. I believe what this guy has to say about whatever. And you say, well, what about the Bible? What does the Bible have to say? You know, all these people say sola scriptura. It means only the Bible, only scripture. But it's kind of interesting because of all the people I hear propagating sola scriptura, they have the biggest libraries. They have the most amount of books. And I'm not speaking negatively about all these other books. Some of them, you know, can be beneficial. Some of them are straight up garbage. Some of them are straight up poison. But what I am saying, like, look, if you're, if you're going to lean on sola scriptura, then hey, only the Bible. Let's stick to what you propagate. Very important when we understand these things about trespassing. Because that's how Satan will get you. That's exactly how Satan will get you. Oh, it's just a little, you know, nothing big, no big deal. You're not murdering anybody. You know, you hear this preacher guy, you hear this pastor talk about, you know, the crack pipe all the time. You don't have a crack pipe. Who's this preacher guy, you know? You hear him talk about a crackhead, you know, pornography, beating up people, murdering, killing. You're not doing any of that. But here, check this out. No, the concept is exactly the same, my friend. Exactly the same concept. Trespassing is how Satan will trick you and trick me. It's to be wise and not be a basket case, not be tossed to and fro, but to be firmly planted on the rock. And so now look what happens here in verse 5. And it shall be, when he is guilty in any of these matters, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. A trespass, trespassing is still a sin. Still a sin. Except, you know, I don't want to gloss over sin because there's like, it, I, I, I don't know how to say this, but it, it's kind of like a smaller sin, trespass. You say like, whoa, you know, sin is sin. Yes, sin is sin. But trespassing is a little different. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. It's something we all deal with as believers. Matthew chapter 6. And, you know, in some regard, this can be great comfort for you because, you know, it, you know, you might be so worried like, you know, like, Whoa, you know, like if, if, I, if I do this, I'm going to burn in hell. Well, no, you're dealing with trespassing and the Lord teaches us how to deal with it. So, you know, praise be to the Lord. Look at, and I'm not, you know, I'm not making an excuse either. I'm not saying like, oh yeah, go ahead and do this. No way. No way. If I came off that way, forgive me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to come off that way. But it is, we'll just read Matthew 6. Let's look at Matthew 6 verse 12, 
you know, when they say like, you know, they're, they're asking the Lord, they're like, you know, how do we pray? You know, how, how do we pray? And in verse 12, he says, you know, this is the, the prayer to the Lord. And he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, some translations say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Some translations say that. Either way, a debt is still owed when somebody trespasses against you. What about when you trespass against the Lord? He says this in verse 13, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, you see, trespasses, and trespasses translates as a side slip. You know, Sin would be like straight up, you turn your back on the Lord. You like straight up, it's like, you know what, Lord? I'm done. I'm done with it. It pains me to utter those words. But to give you an example, it's like saying, Lord, I'm done with you. I'm done with Jesus Christ. I don't want you anymore. I want to go back to my lifestyle. I want to go back to the mud. I want to go back to the vomit. You know, you could be like the, the, the man and woman, what we read in Peter. You can be the, you know, the dog or the pig. Take your pick. You know, pick your poison. But a trespass is, it literally, literally translates as a side slip. It's, I, I, I don't want to gloss over sin. I don't want to come off like I'm glossing over sin. But in this life, for as long as you live, the Lord is going to sharpen you. The Lord is going to chastise you. The Lord is going to teach you. And a lot of times, it's going to be through trespass. He's going to teach you. He's going to grow you. And a lot of times, it's through trespass. Because you'll learn the error of the natural man. You will learn the error of the natural woman. You see, it's your heart. The Lord desires your heart in the center of the narrow path. That's where the Lord wants your heart. As a Christian, you're already on the narrow path. Wide is the, wide is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. And on this narrow path, the Lord wants you right in the center you get too close to the left, you know, it's like, whoa, you're going, you're, you need to be in the narrow path. And sometimes you'll side slip as a Christian. You'll side slip and you go a little too far to the left. You go a little bit too far to the right. And through chastisement, the Lord will, you know, a little smack. I say that lovingly because I got smacked as a kid. And, you know, I grew up and I realized, wow, my parents loved me. But the Lord will give you a little holy smack. Like, hey, get back over there. A little spanking, you know. Hey, cut it out. Cut it out. Turn it over to the center lane, you know. Cut it out. Get back to the center. It's your heart in the center of the narrow path. That's what the Lord desires. And when we trespass, we sideslip to the left. We sideslip to the right. That's how the Lord deals with the carnal nature. It's very important to understand this concept of trespass. It's going to happen. 
Sin, like egregious sin would be like, okay, Lord Jesus, I'm done with you. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. That, I hate to utter that. It pains me for those words to come out of my mouth. But I'm giving an example. That would be like, no, thank you, Jesus. I'm done with you. And then you go back into the world. Or because you have, because a person has no love of the truth, you can all of a sudden become apostate. That's where the truth of God's holy word is a protective mechanism for the believer. So sometimes we go through the Bible and the things that I utter, which are from the word of God, painful to hear. People have told me, like, I don't like how you say that. And if you keep saying that, I'm out of here. I'm going to leave. It's like, I can't. I love you. I don't want to hurt you, but I have to teach the word of God. And if it hurts you, if it pains you, I don't like that you're going to leave. But if you leave, I, I have to obey the Lord. And you know what the Lord tells Ezekiel? You just read through the passages of Ezekiel. Read Ezekiel 3. The Lord says, you know what, Ezekiel? These people are in sin. And if you don't tell them what I tell you to tell them, their blood is on you, Ezekiel. But if he said, and then the, the Lord tells them, you know what, Ezekiel? If you do tell them what I tell you and they don't turn to me, you know what? Their sin is on them. Their sin is on themselves. Well, the same perspective is what I have as a pastor. As a pastor. And I could scratch pastor and say, as a Christian. What about you as a Christian? When you know you hear all these things, you're at like a family get together. Maybe with your friends, you know, an old crew. And people start saying, oh, yeah, look, I did this. You know, look at my new crack pipe. Look at my new bong. You know, I got all these cool things. And you're like, well, you know what? I can't, I can't be here, guys. You know, I'm going to go. But before I go, can I just tell you? This is not pleasing to the Lord. Let me tell you why. Because God loves you and he doesn't want these things in your life. He wants you to put down the crack pipe. He wants you to take that bong and throw it away. And people will probably laugh at you. What in the world? But there might be one. You walk out the door and somebody might follow you. You know what? I needed to hear that, my friend. Tell me more about this Jesus. That's what's so cool about reading our study through the book of Acts, you know? Multitudes, you see Peter in chapter 2, multitudes were coming. But then you get into some of the other passages that we're going to get to in Acts. And like, it was small, like people, like two people would come to Paul. Paul, tell us more. Five people. Paul would preach to multitudes. And like five people would come back. Paul, I believe, can you tell me more? Forget about the numbers. You have to be obedient to Jesus Christ. That's a choice. Now, I could put this in a pastor's perspective, you know, and if you're a pastor listening, you cannot be a man pleaser and stand at the pulpit. You can't. It's impossible to be a man pleaser. I mean, it's possible. But the Lord tells us about our destruction if that's the case. You stand at the pulpit and you have to teach God's word. And even if people threaten you and say, I'm not going to tithe anymore. Or I'm going to leave the church. So, who cares? I mean, you know, pray for them. 
But you, pastor, have to be obedient to the Word of God. You, elder, have to be obedient to the Word of God. You, Bible teacher, youth leader, have to be obedient to the Word of God. You must. If you're not, repent and step down. Straight up. You say, whoa, that's too hardcore. Well, there's no other way to live. There's absolutely no other way to live. Look at what the Lord says here in verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Very interesting, the reciprocity of forgiveness. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I don't mean to like say this like, oh yeah, look, no big deal, because this verse 15 is difficult. Verse 15 is extremely difficult. But you start to see the reciprocal nature of forgiveness that God has for man through Jesus Christ. And what about Jesus Christ inside of you? Could you say your body is the temple of the Lord? Or could you say the body, your body is the temple of, put your name there. That's hardcore. That's some hardcore stuff. But that's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. So this concept of trespass, it's... I don't want to say it's a little sin. It's a side slip is how it translates. Because sin is sin, straight up. But then at the same time, you know what Satan does? He'll say, okay, take a little side slip to the left. And you do it. And instead of, upon the realization, instead of saying, oh, Lord, forgive me, I shouldn't have slipped like that. Forgive me, and learning from that, and staying in the center of the narrow path, you've sidestepped once. And then Satan will say, hey, look, take a little another sidestep to the left. And now you're two steps to the left, and from the center. And then Satan will come at you again, never from the right, because, you know, he doesn't want you to get to the center. He'll say, you know what, hey, look, maybe dangle this in front of you to the left again. Another sidestep. You see? That's how tricky Satan is. He'll say, oh, yeah, step to the left, step to the left, step to the left, step to the left, step to the left. And then finally, it's like, you know what, I'm not going to go to church anymore. You know what, I'm not going to read my Bible anymore. You know what, I'm not going to pray anymore. Oh, look at this new friend I have. Yeah, we're sexually active. Yeah, you know, it's we're doing drugs now. You see? That's where trespassing can bite you. Sidestep, 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 sidestep. And then the fall. That's how Satan works. You see how tricky this... You see, you can't fight Satan without Jesus Christ. Remember the Jude? Yeah, I mean, you have to be very careful. And it's like, I just had like, just so you guys know, I had like a little burst of anger. 
because I don't like how he functions. I don't like how he works. I don't like how he tricks sheep and lamb. I hate it. And it's like, you know, that hate, it's like, you know, Satan capitalizes on that. He capitalizes on that hate, that anger, that rage. Is to say, you know what? The Lord rebuke you, Satan. You don't have to get into long conversations. You know, you go to like a used car salesman. You try to have a long conversation with the... You think, oh yeah, I, I have, I can resist this sales resistance. I can resist him. You know, an hour later, you you sign the papers. You're walking out with a new car. You're driving out with the old beater. You paid, you know, five thousand dollars over the asking price. The little trickster salesman. That's how Satan is. You don't have to engage him with these long conversations. Jude teaches us about spiritual warfare and how to do it. The Lord rebuke you. That's all you say. No matter how much you hate him. Because he'll take your hate and he'll capitalize on it. He's a trickster. Wise as serpents and peaceful as doves. That's how the Christian must behave in the last days. At any time, at any age, but especially in the last days. Because Satan knows his time is up. He knows it's coming. He knows what's coming. And he wants to take you with him. You see? Spiritual warfare. So warriors, that's what I want to know. Where are the warriors? So let's go back to Leviticus. Leviticus. And so he says here, in verse 6, all these things about, whoa, these trespasses that are popping up in the camp. And he shall bring his trespass, in verse 6, and he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord. You see? The remedy. Hey, bring your offering to the Lord. The same is today. It's the exact same thing today. Jesus gives himself the atonement for sin, the atonement for trespassing. That's why it's like you, upon the realization of your sin, upon the realization of your trespass, you know, it's to say like, oh, you know, one saved, always saved. So I can take a little sidestep and one saved, always saved. No big deal. And then you take another sidestep, sidestep left, sidestep left, 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 and then the fall. But it's to take a sidestep as a trespass, which you're going to do. I do it. A little sidestep. It's not to gloss over sin and say it's no big deal. It's to say, yes, it's a sidestep. It's still a big deal. Because you're not in the center of the narrow path. And at the trespass, you need to repent. You need to repent. You see? Jesus gives himself. And what do you do in return? You give him you. You give him your heart. He says this in verse 6. For his sin, which he has committed. Same today. Very personal. Sin that was committed back then in the Old Testament. And what about sin today? You see? Jesus Christ atones for your sin. It's very personal. I mean, you can intercede for another person and pray for another person. But ultimately, that person has to make a choice for their own soul. The same way you can make a choice for your own soul. You know... There's sometimes when your choices can impact others. 
And, you know, sometimes it's as a wife. Because as a wife, it's like, you know, you, you, yeah, like husbands that aren't with the Lord. And what, what a lot of wives do, they say, oh, the Bible says I have to submit to my husband. So my husband's going to be a crackhead. I'm going to be under him and I'm going to be a crackhead too. And then what happens with the babies? You get the baby crackheads. But you know, the husband says, you know what? I'm going to be a crackhead. And you know what? Now you're the covering for your home as a wife. Now you're the covering of your home. And your husband is now underneath you. In so doing, you protect the kids and you can save your husband. You see? This is so beautiful about the Word of God. He teaches us these things. Through false doctrine, you know what's happening today? A lot of women learn from pastors, so-called pastors. You know, hardcore wives submit to your husband. Wife, you must submit to your husband. If the Word says this, and yes, the Bible says wives submit to your husbands. But don't forget, it is also written... We have Old Testament examples and New Testament examples. A husband is submitting to Jesus Christ, then wife, submit to your husband. A husband is, you know, a crackhead, then wife, you submit to Jesus Christ. You are now the umbrella for your home, the covering for your home. You see? Look what happens here. In verse 6, for his sins... Which for his sin which he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. Remember in the previous chapter, the priest is first. The priest is first. He's like, wow, he's such an elitist. No, it's so his hands can be clean. His hands can be clean. He is able to minister. You know... Jesus Christ is the offering. You know, Jesus Christ is the one who takes away sin. But in terms of ministry speaking, it's a hardcore message to pastors and elders, youth leaders, Bible teachers. You must keep your heart clean. You must keep your mind clean. You must keep your hands clean. You must keep your feet clean. Don't let your feet take you to the bars. Don't let your feet take you to the strip clubs. Don't let your feet take you to the drug pushers. Don't let your hands, you know, partake in these worldly things, these carnal things. Don't subject your mind to these carnal things. Don't subject your heart to these carnal things. Take your heart and you place it in the pages of Holy Scripture. That's what you do. And because the Lord has dealt with you, the Lord has worked in you, now you're able to minister to people. You have clean hands, clean feet, clean mind, clean heart. So when people come to you and they tell you your problems, you know what you can do? You can minister to them. And tell them the remedy. Tell them about Jesus Christ. Sometimes the error is on them. Sometimes they just need to wait it out. You know, it's... the, the remedy, like the, the course of action is, it varies. But your heart is clean. If you're a minister, if you're a pastor, elder, Bible teacher, youth leader, your heart is clean before the Lord. You're able to minister. If your heart, mind, hands, feet are dirty and filthy, you are incapable of ministering. And that's what Satan wants. 
That's exactly what Satan wants in the last days especially. You see? You know, I don't know who's listening, but pray for your pastors. Pray for your youth leaders. Pray for your Bible teachers. Pray for your women's ministers. Women Bible teachers who minister to other women. Pray hard for these people. Because you know what? Satan wants them. Satan straight up wants them. Because they're the ones who minister. You know, count the cost. You say, oh, you're too hardcore, you're too hardcore, you're such a legalist. You know what? Straight up, there's no other way to live. No other way. I've tried the other way. It's stupid. There's no, you know, I like a fight. I like to brawl. You know, spiritually speaking, it's like, wow, praise the Lord. You know, I get to do it still, you know, in the spirit. You see, it's like denying self. And I'm not speaking carnally. You know, it's not like, you know, we're going to go out and beat up this guy. It's to say, no, let's pray for this guy. Let's pray for this woman. You know what? They're in the hardcore sin. Okay, let's fast for this person. Let's fast for their homes, their families. That's what Satan, you, you know, as I'm studying the book of Acts on Sundays, we go through the book of Acts. You, you hear me say, this is a different church, the book of Acts. You hear me say it a lot. It's to say, you know what? Let's get back to the church of Acts. Let's get back to all these things that we're learning in the book of Acts. And let's see what the Lord will do. Part of me wants to say, you know what? Buckle up. Buckle up because the Lord is going to take us places. And so look what happens here. In verse 7. If he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord for his trespass, which he has committed two turtle doves or two young pigeons. You know, a little side note. There's that famous Christian uh, Christmas song, you know, the two turtle, the 12 days of Christmas. I hate that song so much. I hate it so much because I hear them say the two turtle doves. And it's like, man, I hate that. I just want to take that record and rip it apart. Because it's like, no, the, the two turtle, it's like they're cheapening. Then you hear people say, oh, yeah, it's church tradition. No, it's Catholic tradition. It's Catholic tradition. That came from the 500s. You know what was happening then? Major persecution on the church by Roman Catholicism. Read about the Spanish Inquisition. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read what, you know, by the hands of the Roman Catholics, how they tortured the Christians. Read about it. If you can stomach it. What they did to women. What they did to pregnant women. Disgusting stuff. So I hear that. And I hate that song so much. I hear it on the radio. Christmas time. I hate that song so much. Just throwing that out there. You know. A little side note. So it says here. You know. Uh, uh, two turtle doves. Or two young pigeons. One as a sin offering. And the other as a burnt offering. So you have the two. The two. One as the sin offering. And the other as a burnt offering. You know what this is an Old Testament example of? Jesus is the sin offering, and you know who is the burnt offering? You. Just like we read in chapter 1 of Leviticus. You see? the old, Straight up Leviticus, the law is showing us these things. Remember? A shadow of the things to come. 
Verse 8. If you're still wondering, like, what is he talking about? Me as a burnt offering? Well, listen to our, 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 our chapter 1 study. In verse 8. And he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer that which is for the sin offering first. The sin offering first and wring off its head from its neck, but shall not divide it completely. Very interesting. So this body is broken, but not completely broken. Very interesting. Does that sound familiar to you? When the Lord tells us, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Very interesting. In verse 9. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, and the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. Remember, life is in the blood. Life for life. We're going to see a lot of blood. A lot of blood through Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Old Testament. A lot of blood. And you know what that points to? A lot of sin. A lot of trespass. The same as it is today, a lot of sin, a lot of trespass. And you know what the world needs? Jesus Christ. You hear me say, where are the warriors? I could also say, where are the messengers? Where are they? That's what I want to know in these last days. Where are the warriors? And where, where are the fishermen? Just like Paul, a warrior fisherman. Verse 10. And he shall offer the second as a burnt offering according to the prescribed manner. Just, you know, our study in chapter 1. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin, which he has committed, and it shall be forgiven him. You see? That's what the Lord desires, forgiveness. In verse 11. Now it's like, you know, there's provision for poor people. But if he is not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he who sins shall bring for his offering one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it, nor shall he put frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. You remember our study in uh, about the, uh, um, uh, the grain offering? A couple chapters ago, well, the grain offering had oil on it and also frankincense on it. But this is not a grain offering. It is a sin offering for a trespass. A little side slip, so to speak. Then, in verse 12, he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take his handful of it as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. It is a sin offering. The priest shall make atonement for him for his sin that he has committed in any of these matters, and it shall be forgiven him. The rest shall be the priests as a grain offering. So one portion of the offering, it addresses the sin, and then the other portion is a blessing to the priest. You see, the rest shall be the priest as shall be the priest as a grain offering. Same offering. But a portion addresses the sin, and then a portion is a blessing to the priest. I'll give you a little pastor's perspective of this. If you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a Bible teacher, Take notice. Say a guy comes into church. A woman comes into church. Is in major, major sin. And then all of a sudden, in obedience, you give them the word. Yeah, they're convicted. They're cut to the heart. But then they're cut to the heart and they ask you a question. 
What do I do? And then you tell them, just like Peter said in Acts 2, receive Jesus, repent and receive Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then they believe in Jesus Christ. They receive Jesus Christ. They receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then six months goes by. One year goes by. Three years go by. And you realize, man, this guy is different. Whoa, this woman is different. Look, he came to me a basket case. She came to me a basket case. You know, all kinds of sin and whatever disgusting sin. And now look... He or she is a new creation in Jesus Christ. A portion of this concept, you know, makes the man, makes the woman right with God. But then another portion of it, the other portion of it, blesses your socks off. That's what I mean when I tell you, I'll give you a pastor's perspective. You know. No greater joy than to know my children are walking in truth. You read that, you know, and if you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a Bible teacher, if you are a woman who ministers to other women, it's like, wow, to know that these women are walking in truth, to know that these guys are walking in truth. You know, a lot of pastors, it's like, it's just a job. Yeah, I didn't want to, you know, I, 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 I failed the bar exam. So, yeah, I think I'll just be a pastor. Fools. It's not a job. It's a calling. It's a task of the Lord, and it's a calling. But what do the fools do? They consider it a job. These are hirelings. No protection for the sheep. Sheep without a shepherd. You see somebody like filthy, dirty, a little lamb comes in. And what do you do as gently as you possibly can? You start washing them, cleaning them. As gently as you can. And you're cleaning them with the word of God. And then all of a sudden you see this person grow in Christ, mature in Christ. Maybe partake in other ministries. Maybe minister themselves like, whoa, this is so wild. A year ago this guy was crazy. A year ago this lady was crazy. And you see God's hand, restoration. That's what I mean. A portion makes this person right with the Lord. But then there's another special portion for you. It's to witness these things. And it blesses your socks off. You see? Look at verse 14. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, all these instructions are going to Moses. And these things are actually going to be put into effect. You know, the, the cleansing of the... Remember the Lord says, I'm not going to go with you guys. He says, if I go with you guys, I'm going to kill you. And then Moses interceded for the people. And the Lord says, okay, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give you the law, except now there's a sacrifice involved. You guys need blood. There needs to be a transfer of your sin, of your carnal nature. Your sin needs to be atoned for. Your trespassing needs to be atoned for. And so the Lord is giving instruction to Moses. About these things, you know, the instruction was given to Moses about the tabernacle and, you know, the, the, like the place to actually do these things where the Lord was going to be in the Holy of Holies. But then at the same time for the priest, that was for the high priest to have oneness with the Lord and speak to the Lord. But then at the same time for the priest, the functionality of atonement, of animal sacrifice and blood 
I know it sounds grotesque when you think about all the blood and I mean, I don't mean to like sound carnal, but it's like this is gross. And that's very worldly to say that. But look at it from the Lord's perspective. How gross is my sin? How gross is your sin? You see? Then you start to understand and realize, Lord, I need you in my life. And then you fall in love with him. And then you learn to trust him. And then it's like, it's so beautiful. I can't, I have no words to describe the union. It's so holy. And so now look what happens in verse 15. If a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally in regard to the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord as his trespass offering a ram without blemish. Remember, nothing mangy. A ram without blemish from the flocks with your valuation in shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary. So they'd have to bring both. You know, a ram and then like, you know, money. Straight up money. He says as a trespass offering in verse 16, and he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy thing. So restitution, it's like the recompense. So say, for example, like I steal your bike, okay? I steal your bike and, you know, you take me to small claims court and I'm found guilty. And the judge will say, okay, you have to make restitution. How much, what's the value of the bike? The bike is 200 bucks. Okay, you know, you owe this guy 200 bucks. That's, I have to make restitution. I have to make it right. And that's what this says here in verse 16. And he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy things and shall add one-fifth to it and give it to the priests. So the ram gets him right with God and then the money was as restitution. And then a portion of that money was as a wage to the priests. A wage to the priests. Provision for the priests. In the Old Testament, this is true. In the New Testament, in accordance with the New Covenant, this is also true. Pastors. Pastors can earn wages from church functions. Tithes and offering. Offerings that are given to the Lord. And a portion of it is for the pastors, is for the elders, is for the ministers. You say like, whoa, that's, you know, carnally, some people, some pastors, some elders, they're hirelings. It's gone way too far. There's a big church in our city where the pastor in his contract is guaranteed an annual salary of $250,000. Now, I'm all for it. You know, I'm a capitalist, you know, but I'm also, you know, a capitalist as a Christian, you know. I, I like free markets, but I also don't like, you know, robbery, thievery. 250000 guaranteed annual income and scaled. And that was 10 years ago. You see, it's like, well, and then they say, oh, yeah, you know, tithe, they do the tithes and offering. It gets out of hand. 
There's some pastors who make way more than that. Some of the large mega churches. And I'm not trying, you know, I'm not like a Bernie supporter. But it's like, wait a second, let's put this in perspective. There's provision in it. As New Covenant believers, there's provision where it's like, you know, pastors can be earn wages from offerings. That's why I'm so in love with Paul. Paul says, you know what? I have every right to take income from, to, to earn income from you, to take from your offering. I have every right to do it. But he says, you know what? Freely I have received and freely I give. I don't want your money. That's what Paul says. I don't want your money. I want your hearts right with the Lord. I want your souls to be right with the Lord. I want your ears to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's why I'm so in love with Paul. He doesn't care about the money. It's not a business. You know, it's not like, wow, you know, let's let's evangelize. So, you know, I can tell people to tithe more and offer more and I'll make more money. So let's evangelize. Oh, we're going to start a church program. You know, let's do this, you know, for the sake of evangelizing. Meanwhile, what you don't know is that among the pastors and elders, they just want a higher paycheck. They just want a higher contract, a contract rewritten where they can say, instead of 250000 a year, I want 300000 a year. What are tax advantages of a church? I mean, you get, get rid of the 501c3 laws. Let's see what happens. Very interesting. And so look what happens here. He says in verse 16, So the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering, and it shall be forgiven him. That's the whole purpose of these things, that through the law, for the people to be right with the Lord, for their sins to be forgiven, for their trespasses to be forgiven, that's the whole purpose of this. That's what God desires. Sins to be forgiven Old Testament and sins to be forgiven in the New Testament as New Covenant believers. Sins to be forgiven and trespasses to be forgiven. That's what the Lord desires. But how will people know? How will people know? You see? That's what I want to know. Where are the messengers? Where are the fishermen? Where are the warriors? In verse 17, if a person sins and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he does not know it, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. Remember, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Never forget that. All have sinned and fall short. Look at Romans 3 really quick. Let's turn to Romans 3. In Romans 3, verse 21, Paul says, there's a little uh, precursor study to the book of Romans, which we'll get to eventually. In verse 21, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, remember we're in the law right now, studying Leviticus, but the law is over for the person who abides in Christ. Apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Remember, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. 
for there is no difference. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see? Very important to understand these things. Because it's very easy. You know, Satan, the little trickster, he can also instill pride. People get on their Christian high horses. They're holier than thou mentality. He's so crafty. He's so crafty. You see, like even in my heart, like just right now, I said Satan, the little trickster. And my heart was like, we have to be so wise in these last days. You know, when you fight Satan, when you fight the demonic realm, it's just like straight up the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you, just as Jude prescribes. You don't have to get, it's like you think of the handiwork of Satan and your blood will boil. It's to say, you know, Lord, help my blood pressure come down. Help my blood pressure come down. I want to fight the way you teach me to fight, Lord, in humility. Just like, you know, we talked about on Sunday with Paul. You know, one side, you can look at that. They flee the city and you think like, wow, what a chicken. In the, as carnally speaking and regretfully saying this, he could be considered a chicken. But you turn the, other, you turn the token to this other side and what do you see? Man, this guy is a warrior. Because he's fighting for souls. They go back into the town. They go back to the hotbed. They go back to the hornet's nest for the lambs, for the sake of the little lambs. To feed them, to encourage them, to exhort them, and to appoint elders over them in their little church homes. You know, their home fellowships. Very wise in these last days. That's how we have to be. And so let's go back to Leviticus now. In Leviticus chapter 5 verse 18. And he shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish from the flock with your valuation as a trespass offering. So it's the offering, the animal offering, but then also the money, the valuation. The priests in the days of Jesus, remember when Jesus Christ, he came in and he turned the tables, the money changers, because he says, you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves. Because people would bring their offering and they would charge more money. They would say, oh, this, this, that, there's a blemish. I found a blemish here. Let me sell you this. They would adjust their valuations. False scales. The Lord hates false scales. The priests, they were profiteering instead of redeeming. You see, synagogue as a business. What about church as a business? Very sad. The state of the church today. Not all churches. But it's very prevalent, very prominent, and very popular. Profiteering. Instead of being a messenger. The Lord sees it all. In verse 18, So the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance in which he erred and did not know it, and it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. You see, all through the Old Testament. These are so beautiful chapters. You know, I'm not advocating the law, but these are such beautiful chapters because the Lord is addressing sin and trespasses and the carnal nature. 
And the Lord wants people right with Him. He wants people's sins to be forgiven. And in the Old Testament, we're going to see the good stuff. We're going to see bad stuff. We're going to see straight up ugly stuff. The good, the bad, the ugly in Scripture. And you're going to see atonement. You're going to see blessing on obedience. You see, it's... All these things in the Old Testament specifically are a shadow of the things to come. And I speak of Jesus Christ, who's still about the Father's business. Even to this day, the Lord wants to forgive sin. The Lord wants His creation right with Him. And that only comes with Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him. Only. Jesus is the one who says, you know, no one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those are the words of our Lord. And He's the one who called me to say, I want you to tell the people of my love for them. And I fought with Him for a couple years. I wrestled with the Lord for a couple years. And He broke me. And that's the message I give to you today. God loves you. God loves you so much so that He gave His only begotten Son to take your sin off of your life and place it on His Son and then cover you and atone for your sin and give you a covering. You see? That's how much God loves you. So we're going to end our study here and continue, Lord willing, through Leviticus 6 next week. You know what, Lord willing? And, uh, you know, we're going to learn these things and we're going to learn these things as new covenant believers. We're always going to point to Jesus Christ. Always. Very important to understand these things. So, love you guys. Miss you guys. God bless you.